Hey, Hot Mess Heroes. Make sure you're subscribed to Gaging on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and turn on notifications so you know whenever a new episode drops. Also, follow Gaging Podcast on Instagram at Gaging Podcast. It's the best place to interact with me and other Hot Mess Heroes. On this episode, I'll be talking about coming out and answering whether or not coming out is for everyone. I'll be sharing a story from high school when I had an awkward crush on a boy, and I'll also be responding to what you said. You answered whether or not people should come out, and I'm excited to share your responses. So let's get into it. Welcome. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. This is episode three. This is episode three of Gaijin, me doing quarantine in my closet, my voice directly to your ears. Hmm, what have I been up to? Watched a ton of TV, finished a bunch of shows. If you haven't seen The Crown season four, and even if you haven't seen The Crown seasons one through three, just skip it and watch season four. It's amazing. The drama is so good, guys. And the acting, everyone is doing their best drag. I literally just have been doing Princess Diana impressions all day long, which has probably gotten really annoying. But I love it. I just love it. What else have we been doing? Um, My boyfriend and I have been doing this new thing in the mornings. It's one of our new morning routines is to drink seltzer water with a splash of apple cider vinegar it just like wakes you up it opens up your senses it makes you feel clearer and it's really good for digestion so um i guess that's probably one of the most exciting things that's happening in our lives right now uh yay for digestion um okay let's get into today's story where in high school i crushed hard on a boy in school orchestra i thought i wanted to be his best friend but in the process actually came out to myself let's get into it I was 15 years old in school orchestra. At the time, I didn't really know what was going on with me. Um, I, I was gay, but <laughs> I didn't have everything figured out. But I was in high school orchestra, and I was a second violinist. I was surrounded by kids who looked like me. There were a lot of Asians in orchestra, and I sat in the back of the orchestra. I really desperately wanted to be in the front of the orchestra because that's where all the cool kids were. That's where all of those super talented, extraordinary musicians were and the ones who got the most attention from the conductor and from the rest of the orchestra. Everybody always had their eyes on the kids in the front. And I really wanted to be one of the kids in the front. In retrospect, sitting in the back of the violin section wasn't the worst thing in the world. I was surrounded by kids who were interested in the things that I liked at the time, which were Good Charlotte, Hot Topic, wannabe emo punk, wearing all black. But we'd get called fake Asians from everybody else because we weren't great at violin. And the more kids called us fake Asians, it was like pouring gasoline on the flame that was my insecurities. 
What also motivated me to sit in the front is that there was this really cute guy who sat in the front. He was the perfect Asian emo kid with bangs swept over his forehead that he would constantly flip in between movements. And when I looked at him, I was like, oh my God, he is so good at violin. I just want to be his friend. So what I decided to do was plan for the next seating audition where it would be decided where you would sit in the orchestra. And I knew that if I prepared really hard and practiced, I could ultimately get a seat in the front, a seat that was closer to orchestra boy. So for the next couple months, I told my violin teacher to provide me with drills, make me undergo an intense regimen of practicing and repracticing and scrutinizing and critique. I wanted to kill that audition. And so that's what I did for the next couple months. I would practice in my room and my parents would say, oh my God, you're so dedicated. You're so hardworking. And I just smile and continue practicing. And then I think of my ultimate goal, which was to be next to orchestra boy in the front. So the day of the seating auditions arrived and I went into the room where the conductor was waiting to hear me play and the months of practicing worked. I read that piece to filth and he was like, oh my God, what happened? You're so good. And I was like, yeah, I know. And the day when the results were released, my name was there in the front of the violin section in the first stand. I was the new leader of the second violin section. And what it felt like as I sat down in that first stand was like I had taken a seat in my rightful throne. I was sitting exactly where I was meant to be. And also, sitting 10 feet away from me was Orchestra Boy. This was going down. We were about to be best friends. So some of you right now are like, oh my god, friends? Like you wanted to be friends? Like, dude, you're gay. And like, okay, I get that. There was a lot of suppression going on in my life. And I didn't have a lot of friends who were boys. A lot of my friends were girls. My dad would make fun of me all the time saying, you don't have any friends that are boys. You only have girlfriends. And it created this desire within me that I wanted to have a group of friends who were boys. So during this time in orchestra, I was extremely confused about wanting to be this kid's best friend. But I mean, let's get real. He was so cute. And I had a crush, which I didn't admit to at the time. So anyway, let's get back to the story. I knew that I needed to do something to actually talk to Orchestra Boy. I needed to say some words. I just didn't know how to do that as an awkward, closeted Asian teenager. So I made him a mixtape. Yep, that's exactly what I did. I went home that day and I took out my favorite album at the time, which was the Garden State soundtrack. And I burned it, put it in a case, wrote his name on it, and decided that I was going to give it to him because that was how I was going to become friends with him. Very misguided. Very. During the next rehearsal, as he was tuning his violin, I scampered over to where he sat and was like, hey, I'm Jeffrey. And he was like, confused. So I just like nervously 
introduced myself and was like, hey, yeah, like I sit over there. I'm like the leader of the Second Violins, if you haven't noticed. And at this point, he looked dead in the eyes. Um, And so I pulled out the mixtape that I had made for him. And I handed it to him and I was like, hey, like I made this for you. I just have the feeling that we have the same taste in music. And this is like a collection of some of my favorite songs. He took it and was like, uh, okay. And I was like, yeah, like, let me know um, if you enjoy it. And then I ran back to my seat and was so nervous and shy the rest of the rehearsal. I thought I wanted to die. So the entire week, I was reeling in my anxiety, trying to guess whether or not he actually liked the mixtape I had prepared for him. And one day after rehearsal, he came up directly to me and handed me the mixtape and said, thanks, and then just walked off. I never heard from him ever again, and I was embarrassed. I don't know. I went home after that and found myself thinking and replaying and rethinking what happened and what I could have done better or why didn't he like it or why didn't he like me. And I was so caught up in my own thoughts about him that I stopped and asked myself, why do I care so much? Why is it that I can't stop thinking about this guy? And it was in that moment where I was just like, I think I like him. I think I need to listen to the butterflies. And I leaned into the butterflies. And what that moment was telling me was that I get butterflies with boys and I was attracted to boys. In that moment, I came out to myself and I'll never forget that. It was such an important moment for me because I was finally being honest with myself. What I did with that truth was suppress it and keep it to myself for many, many years. But looking back on that moment is so important and so powerful because it makes me realize that people have certain ideas about what coming out is and what coming out means. And a lot of times people, even within the gay community, expect that Everyone should have this coming out experience where you tell everyone you know, and it's this big hurrah, and there's nothing wrong with that, but to expect that for every single person is not realistic, it's not fair, and it doesn't honor everyone's individual experiences and timelines for coming out. And sometimes the first step of coming out is coming out to yourself. And being able to work towards accepting and naming who you are and what your truth is. And that's something to be proud of. That's something that's brave. And that's something that takes a lot of courage to do and to accept. And so for me at 15 years old, to finally recognize that I had butterflies for this boy was an act of courage. And even if it didn't feel like it at the time, or even if I didn't know that being honest with myself was courageous, I know now that it was the first step toward my journey of self-acceptance and self-love. 
And it's also a reminder that there is no one right way to come out. That everybody has their own individual timelines. That there is no right or wrong. There is no better or worse. There is taking care of yourself and loving yourself and living your truth for you and for no one else is an act of courage that you should be proud of. responses coming up next. Asian podcast Instagram, I asked you hot mess heroes what your perspectives were on coming out. So let's get into the questions and responses. First question I asked was, how do you look at coming out to others? Do you view it as coming out or do you view it as letting in? 51% of you said coming out and 49% of you said letting in. So it was pretty close and I was actually quite surprised by this. This is a really refreshing, positive paradigm shift. So Hot Mess Heroes, thank you for pushing and challenging my perspective that coming out to others is primarily about letting others into your life rather than announcing to others who you are. The second question I asked was, should people come out? And 79% said yes, and 21% said no. So Upon receiving these results, I pushed you, Hot Mess Heroes, to explain why you answered the way you did. I asked, why should someone come out or not? And the range of responses I got was pretty incredible. And I just want to thank all of you for submitting your responses to these questions and for answering them with humility and honesty. So let's get into it. All right. The question again is, why should someone come out or not? One Hot Mess Hero said, it's freeing no matter what people think of you, you are free. And another Hot Mess Hero said that people should come out because it leads to freedom and it allows them to live and experience a life that is completely their own. And I think that's what coming out or letting in does for people. It allows people to live freely without hiding or concealing or spending the psychological energy of having to do that day in and day out. Another hot mess hero says someone should come out, but they would hate to put pressure on those in the closet because everyone has their own process. And I totally hear you. As I said before, everybody has their own timeline and no one can pressure anyone else to come out. No one can pressure or make someone feel bad for having their own process. As I've told you all before, I came out in my young 20s and it took me so long to get there. And it was because I was living in a household that wasn't always safe. And 
I had to be mindful about my environment and whether or not it was physically or psychologically safe for me to come out to others or if I needed to wait. And I needed to do that for myself and it was my own timeline and I would hope that other people could respect other people's timelines and not pressure them to do something that they're not ready for or to pressure them into doing something when the environment is not safe for them. So thank you for sharing that. And that goes right into another response from a hot mess hero who says, sometimes closeted people live with bigots and they can't come out until they're safe. I mean, it's true. And not everybody's immediate community is accepting. And that can be for a variety of reasons. But it means that that person is negotiating, broadcasting who they are with the immediate safety of their surroundings. And that's a real experience for people. Gay people are still susceptible to violence more so than their heterosexual counterparts. So I hope that we can understand that coming out isn't somehow like a magical, beautiful experience for everyone. Although it should be, and it's a real shame that not everybody has the privilege to do that. For those who don't understand or can't understand why someone has their own process and timeline, please just stop and reflect and be aware and listen and realize that your experience is different and unique to others. Okay, I, ju- I just had to grab some snacks because, like, I, I just had to grab some popcorn. Um... But I think there's another side to this question, too. It's what you're saying, Hot Miss Hero, about the bigots. And, you know, it doesn't have to always look like someone being overtly homophobic or explicitly heterosexist. For those of us who've encountered and studied prejudice, we know that there are covert, overt, implicit, and explicit ways of demonstrating prejudice and hate. I was probably 10 years old and it's like the one memory, I have like a terrible memory, but one memory that I will never shake, one of my friends said to me, just very casually too, like, oh, gay people, all they care about is sex. That is a very, very small comment and something this person doesn't probably even remember saying, but for some reason, that comment really stuck with me and I will always still remember it and I still remember it to this day. So that right there is not like an overt example of anti-gay discrimination and hate, but it is still hate and it is still intolerance. And that moment made me feel so small and so worthless. And it also made me feel so wrong. And it's an accumulation of those small moments that one can internalize and can lead to stress and depression and internalized self-hate. So for those of you who are allies, you have an opportunity to create safe spaces and safe environments in a world where that has to be intentionally done because business as usual is unsafe environments for LGBTQ people. 
If you are an ally, then you are interrupting that by intentionally creating safety for people to be themselves. Popcorn. All right, let's keep going here. Um, Another hot mess hero says, I'm hopeful for a world that coming out doesn't have to be a stressful or fearful thing. Yeah, me too. And it sucks that people have to take on the psychological burden and stress of hiding who they are or deliberating whether or not they should come out and be themselves. And as I've said, if you are an ally and don't identify as LGBTQ, then your responsibility is to actively create that world for someone who is going through that stress. I mean, yeah, I'm calling on all of you to make the world a less stressful place for people to be themselves. It's possible. And that starts with you and in the small everyday actions, in the comments that you say, in the way that you're listening, in the way that you're challenging mindsets, in the way that you were talking to other straight people. You got this. You can do this. Okay, let's move on. A couple of other responses. Should someone come out or not? Some other hot mess heroes have said, I feel like we shouldn't necessarily come out just like straight people don't have to come out. And another person said pretty much the same thing. Heterosexual people don't have to announce their identity. We should also just be. This goes back to what I'm saying about business as usual. We are living in a society that has privileged heterosexual individuals, has placed power For those who are straight, for those of you who may feel like this is personal, well, it isn't, right? This has to do with a system of oppression. And in that system of oppression, heterosexual people don't have to announce their identity, right? They don't have to say and come out to everyone as straight because that is just the norm. Power means that certain privileged identities are the norm and don't have to be named. And that is privilege, being invisible, being the business as usual. And so I agree with you, Hot Mess Heroes. I I really do feel like we shouldn't have to come out because straight people don't have to. And to be honest, I I don't know what to do about that because I, I agree with you, but I also recognize the power structure that allows for heterosexual people to be themselves without having to announce it. So let's continue having this conversation. I want to hear from you. There are some other responses here that I think also deserve some thought and are going to challenge and push me to really reflect on what it means to come out and if people should. And so some of you have said the more people live their lives out in the open, the faster it gets truly normalized, IMO, in my opinion. I mean, I hear you on that too, and I think there is hope. Being a teacher, I've seen some real progress with our youth and with our kids and how they have showed up to be brave and courageous for themselves to announce without really caring what people think about them, but announcing because it's a part of their journey of self-actualization. And I've also seen a lot of progress with kids who've created safer spaces for LGBTQ youth. Kids are doing the work. And so I see that there is hope. I know that there is progress. 
And I do hope for a day where it's normal and people can live their lives out in the open without deliberating for so long and living in the stress of deciding whether or not it's safe for them to be themselves. The last comment I'll read comes from a hot mess hero who says, come out if you feel comfortable, if it's necessary. No one should do anything just because. And I agree with that. Everyone is living their own unique experience and no one can truly know what another person is really going through. We can be empathetic to others. We can listen. We can create safe spaces for them but we cannot force them to do anything that they don't want to do. And we should respect that. We should respect their decision and we should respect their timelines. What we can do is we can create the space for them to be themselves and to not judge or enforce a way of living or a set of ideas that you subscribe to If your actions are genuine, if they reflect intentions of compassion and acceptance, then when that person is ready, they'll be ready. And just know that they were ready because you created a safe space for them. Thank you so much to everyone who responded to the questions that I posted on the Instagram. There will be more opportunities to engage in this conversation. So if I have one takeaway for you, Hot Mess Hero, it's to respect your timeline and to respect your process. You will know when you're ready. And when you are, make sure that you surround yourself with the people who will create the safe environment for you to truly express who you are. Until next time, bye.